On this episode of the Dance Business Daily, we're going to talk to a studio owner who's managing a 74-year-old studio and the challenges that come along with that. Let's get into it. This is Dance Business Daily, a daily podcast where you can always find real talk with real studio owners, where we'll share best practices, success stories, and actionable insights so we can all get a little bit better together. I'm Bryce Conlon, and I'll be your guide. Welcome to the show, and let's get into it. Well, hey, welcome back to the Dance Business Daily. I'm Bryce Conlon, and today I'm really excited because I'm hanging out with Nikki Pittman of Expressions Dance Studio uh, down in Plymouth, Indiana. And this is a really interesting studio. I want to talk all about it, but how did you get into the studio world? So I was born into this business. Um, it's definitely in my blood, but I was born into it. Um, my grandmother ran the studio and we had it in our basement, in our house, um, 365 days a year, all day, every day. And I just gravitated that way. And um, it's just always going to be here and just something that we love. So here we are. So for you, like, because a lot of people say that they were born into, you know, like I was born into dance, uh, I was born into dance shoes or, you know, ballet shoes or whatever, but you really, truly were like, it was just kind of a, a part of life. What was that? What was that like as a kid? Like, were you a dancer yourself as a kid? Oh yeah. I started, um, when I was three and of course that's about the age bracket then. Um, and we would have kids coming in our house, down the stairs to the basement. Um, you know, we hold classes all evening and, you know, eat dinner and then go to bed. And it was just a everyday kind of thing. And my grandpa would be sitting at the table watching TV as kids were coming in and out. So, I mean, it was really like when people talk about a dance family, it really has started that way. And that's how we run our studio now. That's something that even over the years, we've never changed. We have a dance family and it's, um, the kids feel like a, it's a second home. And that's really what it came from because it was our home. It was an so. actual home. Yep. Yeah. So that that's as soon as you said it, as soon as you kind of described and painted that picture of, you know, you know, your grandfather, just like I picture him like sitting in the chair with the newspaper. Right. And, you know, maybe yeah. mom's in the kitchen, like doing some dishes and the kids are downstairs with grandma. Like that's the I don't know if that's accurate, but that's the picture that is kind of built up in my mind. And mm -hmm. it really, truly is a family. But that's a word that gets thrown around so frequently and frankly <laughs> it makes me a little irate if i'm being honest because most um not just by the way it's not just studio businesses that talk about this like business in the broader sense talks about yeah. we're a family and then mm -hmm. they behave in ways where you're like god i'm glad my family doesn't behave that way no. what is that that makes a functional family like you know, a, a good family environment that you're bringing into the studio and, and wanting so, to replicate? I think that one of the things that we bring to the table is our staff is all made up of volunteers for the most part. And we, we all have something that we bring to the table. I have mm -hmm. one mom that carpools kids to and from. I have another mom that um, makes sure that everybody's got food when they come in or make sure that um, everybody's got all the things that they need. Um, I have another mom uh, that takes care of making sure that they have their dance attire. And so we're all constantly in communication because you have to have open communication. So with our parents, and I think engaging them in everything that we do because knowledge is power. 
So parents sometimes will panic about things that they don't know about, but if they know what they need to know, then it's, it's icing on the cake and it's, it's a seamless system. I just had this, a very similar conversation with a guest a few days ago, um, Josh Weil, and he said the same thing. It's just like parents oftentimes become overbearing when mm -hmm. they're in the dark, when they don't know what to expect. They, you know, they try to control. And so creating that seamless, open, honest communication can go a long way to just creating. Absolutely. Absolutely. We keep them engaged in, um, I mean, our social media platform, uh, that's the biggest platform that you can advertise and share information on. So it's constant for us. Um, statistically, our numbers are ginormously growing, even in the middle of a pandemic, because of keeping people engaged in conversation, in topic, in, you know, what is it that you need from us? Man. So I want to take a step back because you, you mentioned, and you kind of like bounced off it and moved on. And my guess is it's because this is everyday normal life for you. But for me, I, I heard you say that your staff is all volunteers. I have never heard of that before. How, how does that, like, how did you get to that place? First of all, and then how does that work? How do you make it work? So, um, it is a, uh, you want to work with your accountant really well to make sure that all of your numbers are in place and that you're doing things the right way. Um, so it's taken me a lot of years to find the, the balance of how to do it the best way possible and what my trade-off is and what's beneficial for me to do and not do. Um, we have, um, our policy, my studio policy is there is no dancer left in the dark. So if a student walks in here, we find a place for them no matter what that means. We have a good sponsorship program with area businesses. We have um, parents that are willing to volunteer to help cover the tuition for those kids that can't. So it really, wow. when I say it's a dance family, it's because we create that expectation of caring and um, we have an art that we just don't want to die and kids have a need for it. So we just make it possible in any way, shape or form. So we work together a lot. <laughs> so, so this, this is amazing to me because I just had this conversation, um, about the importance of creating maybe a vision or something that is bigger than you or any one individual, right? Because it's very easy if we're, if we're being honest, it's very easy to say, we're going to start a studio and our goal is to make money. And that's valid. It's not like shameful or bad or anything to no, be. No, you definitely have to make money. I did learn that <laughs> you have to make money and you have to be, um, you have to be valued at what you're worth and you have to put that out there and there's no shame in that. Um, but you also have to give the people the side of you that it's not about money. Right. Yeah. But to be able to attract um, followers on your mission, on your journey, because it's because it is bigger than, you know, it's about keeping an art form alive to hear that you have sponsors, parents who will say, listen, I have. So I'm going to pay for someone to cover someone who does not have. That's amazing. So I got it. I got to know, because I'm sure that there are other well, I know that there are other studio owners that I've talked to who are in that position where kids walk through the front door and frankly, they can't afford tuition. And there's always that, 
you know, kind of tension between I want you to be here. I want to make a space for you. And yet my landlord also requires that I pay my bills in dollars, right? You know, not good feelings or, you know, thoughts and prayers, right? And that's, so there is kind of that balance. How did you, I mean, what were the first time that happened when a parent decided to cover somebody else's tuition? How did that happen? It's it's always, it's always been, a part of my, I remember when I was a small kid and my dad, and I knew I was, I wanted to be a rockette so bad, so bad. I'm only five, two and a half. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so I, when I realized that, um, you know, he said, well, what, what do you want to do? If you can't do that, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to have a dance studio that is free. Wow. <laughs> and of course he laughed and was like, mm, let me know how that turns out for you. Um, and it's clearly not free. Um, it's, it's very expensive. It's probably one of the most expensive sports I've ever um, entertained. However, um, when I realized that when you get like-minded people together for the generalized purpose of good, they, they, will, do, they will do things. They will do what they want to do. And when you find the right people with the mix of their hearts in the right place, but they also are willing to put in the work, that's really all it boils down to. So our scholarship program is made up of spreadsheets and all sorts of you know behind the scenes things. But um, essentially, um, as my contribution to our scholarship program, that's where their tuition comes into play. So I'm willing to donate my time if you are willing to donate your time. So I have small kids that come in here and, um, you know, they might clean off my countertops for an hour, but they're willing to do that because they want to dance. So I trade my hour for your hour because that saves me on my cleaning bill. So everything has a systematic, um, we keep track of who's willing to volunteer how many hours a month. And, and so we kind of keep track of it that way. Um, but then there's, there's no, there's no need for me to turn anyone away. Okay, so I missed that when you initially talked about your scholarship. I made the assumption that it was parents only that were volunteering, but you're telling me that that you're getting the kids involved too. Yeah, they have to work for it. Yep. If you want it bad enough, you will you will you will find time in your schedule. You will put your iPod down. You will turn off your gaming system if you want it bad enough. And they do. They really do. I, when push comes to shove these kids are amazing and they that's how i know that the kids that i have are they're here because they want to be here so so i love i love this idea for for a whole variety of reasons first of all uh, i'm kind of with you of the mind that it's just the right thing to do like why why wouldn't you if it doesn't if it doesn't actually hurt you you're going to be in the studio anyway for that hour it's not private lessons it's group yep. lessons right and so you're going to be there anyway. What's the pain in bringing in one more kid if they're willing to, you know, donate their time? I have, I have parents that volunteer. I mean, we have parents that do cleaning things. I have a mom that comes in um, and cleans our front windows and our mirrors once a week. I have somebody that comes in and sterilizes the mats for us. I have somebody that comes in and um, sorts our inventory. I have um, someone come in and do just the floors for it. I mean, there's so many odd jobs that you can find. Um, and littles are not opposed to, they can do things too. Give them a small little dust rag. They can do things. Um, they can run my music for the toddler class. They know how to push play. So, I mean, there is, there is something that I can find value in to trade off my time. 
I don't have all the time in the world, but I have enough to give. So you have to, you know, they give, I give. So, so I'm, I don't even know. And, and for those who, for listeners who know me, for people who know me, it's very rare that I don't know what to say or even more specifically what to ask, but I'm finding myself at a literal kind of loss for words because this is just so foreign to me. You're bending my brain in a way that it's like, I've, I've talked to hundreds of studios, mm-hmm. uh, studio owners over the last couple of years, and this is the first time I'm hearing anything quite like this now that said if you're um if you're a listener then you may recall uh an interview that we did with jenny duro and she's out of um, brighton michigan and she's built kind of a leadership um, academy now we didn't cover it in detail on the on the podcast but hers is you know it's a it's a structured thing your you know it's very rigid yours feels in, in and that's not bad but yours feels very relational and very like hey you come in i'm gonna help you and yeah. i'm gonna work with you and yeah. we're gonna find out something that works for you you're just bending my brain it kind of hurts I'm, I'm not even gonna lie so, so my day job i work in a, a mental facility a mental uh health and wellness facility and i heard a statistic um, that the teenagers today have, like, we're at an astounding rate of them reporting that they feel lonely. Right. Like, it's not necessarily like, I have no friends, I'm being bullied. I mean, there's all of that still exists. But the fact that kids are reporting to their therapists and their counselors that they just flat feel lonely, that that hurts my heart because there should be some place somewhere that any kid ever or adult, I mean, our, our program is for any adult, like I will help anybody. So, I mean, that they should be able to come and not feel lonely, not feel, you know, or if it, even if you, if you can't come every week, then we figure out what's best for you. Um, but that just really kind of like stuck with me. And I was like, there, there cannot ever be a time that we turn anyone away because we don't know why they're walking in our door. Maybe, maybe this is a release for them or an outlet, or, you know, maybe they don't fit in anywhere else. And, you know, so we can't say no, I can't, it's not an option. <laughs> I'm still I'm you're not helping my ability to to figure out what to say here. Um I you know I have read that I have read that too. That same statistic and as uh, as a dad, uh, I have three little ones uh, at home. My oldest is 7. She's in dance classes and um I've seen that. I've I've seen the you know the statistics about loneliness about the coming depression about the anxiety. I mean, there's something, it, it, it blew my mind the first time I read it um, in that it's the average eighth grader today mm-hmm. has as much anxiety, like reports as much anxiety as a full grown adult from the 1950s. Absolutely. I that, believe it. That's I, I huge. Yeah. Radiating from them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I've, I've, heard that and i um with my own kids as they're getting older i'm interacting with more and more of their friends and i'm seeing 
man, like kids are, they're having a tough time, whether it's, they just don't know how to be physically in spaces with other kids because their lives are, you know, hidden behind screens. Um, is is awful. (laughs) Yeah. So, so this really, so this really is, and everybody says this, everybody's like, dance is the vehicle, um, you know, dance is just the vehicle that we use to create healthy, responsible grownups, right? Or like, you know, children that grow into grownups. Um, and you're really doing it. Like that's, it sounds like that is core to. No, there is, there is a lot of work behind it. I mean, we do, we have to monitor things and, you know, I can't have every kid that comes in that can't pay for things. Like they, they may not be able to, to, to advocate enough to do, you know, five classes and be on competition team, but there is a place for them. And between our sponsorship program and um, what they need typically is always covered. And it just, I think a lot of it is just do the right thing. You know, like that field of it, like build it, they will come. Like do the right thing, make the right decisions and do it for the right reasons. All right, so I wanna ask, so your studio, how long have you been in business? I so mean, I, I opened my, I rebranded it and opened my own studio. Right. That's what I meant. Cause we know you kind of inherited grandma's, you know, so, grandma's yeah, legacy. I opened that part in 2004. So you've been doing this on like in your own right under your own banner for yeah, almost yeah, 20 years I've, now. I've made a lot of adjustments and, you know, I tried having a couple other locations and I went and taught under a couple other um, studios for a while. And I thought that's just not what I want to do. And um, we, when we closed the other locations, we put, um, all of our focus into one um, for the time being. Um, the area that we're in is very, um, it's just, it's a country town. And, you know, and when I did that, it was probably the best decision I've ever made. And, you know, you put all your focus into what you have in front of you and it, it will, it will blossom. And before you know it, you have an abundance of lots of great things actually. And even in the middle of a pandemic, we probably had our best, um, our best year that I've ever had in the worst situation possible. Well, I absolutely love that. Congratulations, because that's something to, yeah, frankly, celebrate. <laughs> um, and we all need a little bit of good news in what has been a very, yeah, unfun. Uh, can you believe it's almost been two years? I know, I know. And the first, the first couple months when we did have to start going into Zoom and of course I panicked just like everybody else did. And I wondered how, how are we going to keep everybody engaged and how, you know, but we, again, we work together. We, you know, we pooled our resources and I think people got a taste of what it would be like if they didn't have our brick and mortar building. If we didn't have this, if we couldn't go there, if we couldn't be together, then this is what it's going to be like. And we don't want that. So I think, um, I don't know, our community is just, um, we've just set that expectation of this is, this is what we do and this is how we do it. So it's either for you or not for you. But I mean, obviously it works really well for us. So I'm, I am absolutely just amazed at, at what you're doing. I think it's very, very cool. Um, if folks wanted, cause I imagine that our listeners are going to, going to hear this and say, I have questions, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into it. Uh, so uh, I don't want 
when you just be like, oh my God, I'm just going to get free lessons for everyone. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how, you know, it, there's, there is a lot of like little things that we've established. And, um, you know, I have somebody that monitors a lot of things, um, but I, it really does work. You have to put the work into it, but if you want to, and you want to be able to be there for people, it will work. Well, again, I, and we started by saying, look, I, that's why I asked the question, like, how long have you, I'll be honest, it was a, it was a, is this a social experiment that's going to fail because you're only, you know, 18 months into it or, <laughs> you know, and it's not and like the fact that you've been flying your own flag and really building your own, taking grandma's legacy and using that as a springboard to launch where you are now, um, Clearly it is working. So if folks have questions, first of all, are you part of our, are you part of our Facebook group? I am, I believe. Okay, I think good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. So if you have questions for Nikki, you can come and find her in the Facebook group. If you're not part of the Facebook group, definitely go to that. And I think at the time of this recording, it is called sales and marketing advice for dance studio owners. That may be changing, so kind of we'll let you know in the podcast if it does. Um, but you can reach out to Nikki there. And Nikki, where else can folks, if they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, I have to know more, how can they find how can they get in touch and find out more about what you're doing at Dance Expressions? Um, so we um our email is expressionsdancestudio.14 at gmail.com. Um, I have my email on me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, um, you know, definitely feel free to reach out if there is anything. And I've tried a lot of things that don't work too. So, I mean, you know, something's not jiving right. You're like, I just need somebody to brainstorm. You know, um, that's, you know, sometimes two minds looking at things objectively, you know, it, it won't take time at all to figure it out. So, yeah, anytime. I absolutely absolutely love that and i want to say thank you again for being here uh with me today on the show i absolutely you're just you're just a, like i said at the beginning you're just a delight you're a ball of energy and i really appreciate you just being willing to show up and share authentically and real with me today thank you so much for having me all right well that wraps up this episode of the dance business daily this was hopefully as amazing for you as it was for me. Again, I have talked to hundreds of studio owners. I've never heard anything quite like this. And I'm really pleased to have a kind of a practical takeaway. And Nikki, I have a feeling we're going to be bringing you back or getting you involved in some of the, the ask me anything workshops that, uh, that we create for our dance studio owners. Cause I think you, you have a lot to say and share, and you bring a really unique perspective. So um, you will likely be hearing more from Nikki, but if you want to hear more uh, from other studio owners that we're talking to, we're talking to studio owners all across the world, from Australia to the UK to the US, everybody brings their own flavor, best practices, actionable insights. Subscribe wherever it is you get your iTunes or your, um, your podcast, that's what it's called, and or follow us on YouTube at The Dance Business Daily. So that's it. Subscribe. We'll chat soon and have a great one.